is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's uh, good to be here uh, this morning and uh, good to be speaking to those who are uh, listening, watching online as well. Um, I want to speak this morning about uh, the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. Um, but I, just before I do that, um, I, I drove up from uh, uh, Nuneaton this morning when my wife's visiting uh, her mum. And uh, as I pulled off the M1 and came down on the A52 coming into Derby, I found myself driving behind a, a, a minibus. And on the back was this big logo that said, Deeper Life. Christian ministries. And I thought, oh, some of you, anybody know about deeper life? Yeah, they, they must be somewhere around here. Uh, but just as I think it was Paul brought that word this morning about deep to deep, uh, and I just felt a resonance in my spirit that, that what God was trying to say to us this morning, I've, I've got so much more for you, deeper to go. So I want to encourage you in that uh, this morning. I just feel Jubilee Church, Derby, God has, has, has got something deeper for you. It may be this morning, maybe in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, but uh, God who wants to speak to you about just the depth of his love and his grace and his power for you. Anyway, I want to speak this morning about um, the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. And I'm going to tell you uh, three quick stories this morning. Um, they're all true stories. The first one um, is, about, is about me. It's a true story about me. So about 30-odd years ago, 34 years ago, um, the curate of the local church that uh, my wife really was a part of um, came up to me. I was at a meeting on the Sunday morning, uh, sat on the back row. I wasn't a Christian, so I was sat on the back row. Sorry for gentleman sat up there on the back row. I'm not addressing this to you, but uh, speaking about myself, I was sat on the back row scowling at anybody who came anywhere near me. And if they tried to speak to me about Jesus, my scowl got deeper and deeper. I wasn't a Christian. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I didn't believe in Christianity, thought Christianity was true. I was a Yorkshireman, still am, born and bred. If you can see it, feel it, touch it, it's real, it's solid, it's firm, none of this airy-fairy spiritual nonsense as far as I was concerned. But I started to go along to the, to the church on a Sunday morning some weeks to help my, Ruth, uh, my wife Ruth. Kids were pretty small. Some of you will know Sunday morning can be a real test to get the kids up. People are laughing already. Get the kids up and out and fed and dressed in a reasonable attire for church and uh, into the car and to get there. So I sort of out of the goodness of my heart. So, oh, I'll give you a hand. And first of all, I used to drop her off in the car park, and then I would wander in, as I say, and sit at the back scowling. But this Sunday morning, the curate, uh, Arthur, he came up to me, and he gave me an invitation. And that invitation, I didn't know it at the time, it was like um, a great big rock being dropped in the pool of my life. And the ripple started almost from that moment. Um, there have been some ripples before that, but that was the start of something. And Arthur said to me, I want to invite you to ale and argument. Ale and argument, he said. 
Um, it's a men's night. You bring the ale and I'll provide the arguments. That was his strap line, you know, and I thought, wow, that sounds good to me. I like arguing with Christians. And uh, was it who, who gave the notice this morning about the men's breakfast? You know, men need to eat and drink. Okay, so yeah, we do men's breakfast as well. But coming from Yorkshire, and I grew up in a pub, my mum and dad uh, ran a pub. It's, it's breakfast or beer, you know, make your mind up, one or the other. Or maybe both, I don't know, but Saturday morning, not too sure about that. But Arthur invited me to this thing called Ale and Arguments. And, you know, the, the, the invite intrigued me at first. Um, even though it meant going round the curate's house, <laughs> which, you know, was... was something that I would normally avoid like the plague, you know, going around the vicar's house. Um, it intrigued me, and I thought, well, it can't be that bad. It's got beer, which I like, and it's got argument, which I also like. Uh, it can't be too bad, can it? So I went along, and uh, there were four or five of us, I think six, actually, the first night, uh, non-believers. Actually, we all, uh, or I think most of us, had wives who were Christians who went to the church. We were the missing men in the church or the back row men, I recognize one or two faces. And we went along, and, um, you know, the next night, uh, the next time the invite came along as well, a couple of weeks later, I went along to that. And it became quite a regular thing. Friday night around the curate's house, we used to take our, you know, four-can four or six-can pack of ale, and he would provide something for us to talk about, about God, the church, Jesus, the world, whatever, science, evolution, everything. And every time... At the end of the night, the, you know, the unbelievers, we would come out of the house high-fiving. Yeah, we thrashed the vicar again. We defeated his argument. You know, we proved this, that, and the other. It was years later uh, when I thought, actually, he wasn't even trying to win the arguments. <laughs> He'd won by having four or five guys around his house on a Friday night talking about Jesus. You know, I did, the penny didn't drop at the time. Um, so that, that invitation, that first invitation... Um, and I found myself learning things about Jesus. I found myself, you know, learning things that, um, that were true. You see, because I, was a, uh, I wanted to know what was true. I didn't think Christianity was true. Uh, the Bible encourages us to reason with our minds. I need to reason things with, out with my mind and have the chance to talk to people and ask my questions and listen to other people's perspectives before I could have any sort of, uh, spiritual encounter with Jesus at all. I needed that. Um, and some six months or so, or so later, uh, Arthur came up to me again on a Sunday. I think I graduated a couple of rows further forward on a Sunday morning by this stage. I wasn't going to be associated with the, you know, the total scowlers on the back row. I was, you know, I got to know a few people. So I was a couple of rows further forward. He came up to me again, and he gave me an invitation again. This time it was to go around to another church, I think again it was a Friday night, and it was to uh, be part of a, the Billy Graham Live Link. Uh, so some of you will remember the evangelist Billy Graham, and on this occasion he was preaching somewhere and it was being uh, transmitted to churches all over the country. And I went along there on a Friday night uh, with him, I accepted that invitation and went and heard the gospel uh, preached powerfully. A few months after that, my wife Ruth and, and the church, they invited me to go to a Graham Kendrick concert in Birmingham. Anybody remember Graham Kendrick? And it wasn't an evangelistic event at all, but there was something about the fact of being uh, in a hall with, I think the capacity was 12,000 that it was full. 
from what I know, there was 11,999 believing Christians worshipping God and me. Again, sat on the back row on my own. Uh, and there was something about that evening where, I, I don't know, I just ended up saying to God, if you are real, if you are true, then, then just, just meet with me where I am. Um, by that stage, I'd, I'd read a little bit of Billy Graham's biography, which is called Just As I Am. And something about that, I, I called out to God and said, just meet me. And all I can tell you is that he did there and then. But it all started with that invitation. Over the years since then, God in his mercy and his grace, he's, he's used me to plant new churches. And, I, and I've been privileged to be part of the salvation stories of a good number of people. And it all flows out of that simple introduction to an alien argument night. You know, the power of an invitation. Story number two. This is a true story as well. And this goes back to uh, May 1934. Uh, an itinerant evangelist called Mordecai Ham. What a name, eh? Mordecai Ham. Uh, he was a, a, a traveling evangelist, and he came to a little town in sh called Charlotte in South Carolina to preach at what would become a, a crusade, an 11-week crusade. And a local farm worker who lived outside of the town called Albert McMakin, okay, he invited all the young people from his particular community to come to listen to what he called the fighting preacher. And uh, many of the young people accepted the invite, but there was one particular 15-year-old boy who just wasn't interested at all until Albert uh, tempted him by adding to the invitation to come to listen to the evangelist the invitation to drive the, his dairy truck, Albert's dairy truck, to the meeting with all the young people in it. Now, South Carolina in 1934, I don't think there were any traffic patrols or anything like that. So the 15-year-old boy couldn't resist the temptation to drive the truck to the meeting. So he drove the truck to the meeting, hung about outside, um, listened a little bit, but came along. He was intrigued enough to come along the following night, driving the truck again. And every night from there on in, uh, this young boy, 15-year-old boy, drove uh, all these other young boys and Albert to the meeting until finally... On November the 1st, six days before his 16th birthday, this young boy responded to Mordecai's Ham's invitation to come forward and to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And although, as this young boy later wrote when he got older, he felt no great emotion at the time, he knew that at that moment he was a new person. And that boy, that new person was Billy Graham. The guy who grew up to, the young boy who grew up to be the greatest evangelist of the 20th century and possibly more than that. Uh, a, a, a boy who grew into the man who has preached to millions all over the world. Including to me, sat in a little church in Warwickshire in 1989, just a few weeks before I myself invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Saviour and become, in turn, a new person. A ripple you know, that started in 1934 that has just gone all over the world. Millions 
of people have been saved at Billy Graham meetings over the years because Mordecai Ham came and preached, but Albert McMakin offered an invitation. And, and he was inventive with his invitation. His invitation at first was refused, but he threw in a, an added thing to get him to listen to the gospel. And also because over the years, millions of people have taken a step of faith and invited someone to come and listen to Billy Graham. And as a result of that, many, many people have got salvation stories to tell. And it all started because a young man was invited to drive a dairy truck. The power of an invitation. Story number three. It's also true, but it's found in the Bible. So if you've got one, you might want to open it. Uh, John chapter 4. Um, this is the account of uh, Jesus meeting with uh, a Samaritan woman. Now, it's quite a long story. I'd encourage you to read it. I'm not going to read it all out this morning. Um, I'm going to summarize it because it goes on for 40-odd verses in John chapter 4. But basically what is happening here is that Jesus is traveling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, and he journeys through Samaria in order to get there. Now, that is unusual in itself. It's not the usual route that uh, a Jewish man would take because most Jewish men hated Samaria and hated the Samaritans. So they would normally go all the way around just to avoid the Samaritans. But Jesus didn't want to avoid anybody, so he took the direct route through uh, Samaria. And he comes to a, a town called Sichar, and uh, he comes to a well near that town, and he sends the disciples off. The disciples go off to buy food from the town. Jesus is by the well, and he invites a Samaritan woman who's there in the middle of the day to get him a drink from the well. Unusual in itself. In fact, all the way through this conversation with the Samaritan woman, if you read it and read around a little bit, you'll find that Jesus was breaking all sorts of social and moralistic conventions, speaking to a woman, speaking to a Samaritan. Um, but Jesus turns this conversation about water into a spiritual conversation about living water. He then delivers a powerful word of knowledge, showing he knows everything about this woman's life, and then declares to her that he, Jesus himself, is the very Messiah, the Christ, the very one that she's just explained that she's work, waiting for, who will tell her and her people everything that they need to know. Jesus says, I am he, I am the Messiah. Let's pick the story up in verse 28. This is what happens next. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. There's the invitation. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. This woman invites the whole town, to come and meet with Jesus. And many people, as we see there, responded. Many people came out of the town to meet with Jesus. Undoubtedly, they were perhaps intrigued. Invitations intrigue people. They were intrigued by the fact that this woman, who they knew as being an outcast, 
who they knew as being someone who was morally suspect, to say the least, um, what had happened to her. Why was she excited? She'd probably come running back into the town, created a commotion. The invitation to come and see what had happened to her, to meet Jesus, intrigued them. And no doubt that they saw that this woman had changed. She had become, or certainly was on the way to becoming, a new person. And then in verse, let's pick it up again in verse uh, 39 in John 4, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. The power of an invitation. Many of the, the people from the town they believed in Jesus as, just as a result of listening to the woman's testimony. But then many more believers, as they listened to Jesus himself, who they invited to stay in the town with them, many more of uh, the, the townspeople, they came to believe in Jesus themselves as they listened to him. The woman's invitation had in itself a powerful impact, an initial response, but then there was an even bigger response when the people heard Jesus themselves. And no doubt that response went on and on, ripples going down. Imagine living in that town in the years to come. That wouldn't be a, a story that they would ever forget. That would be a story that would be repeated, repeated, and repeated. And many others, I believe, no doubt, um, became believers. They believed in Jesus as a result of the testimony of the townsfolk who had put their faith in him. All because of the woman's invitation to come and see a man who told me I, everything I ever did. The power of an invitation. Three stories, all true. Actually, I could have chosen hundreds of stories. And probably there were loads of stories out, out here about how in your salvation story, whatever that looks like, whatever that pans out like, but probably somewhere in many salvation stories represented in this room this morning, and for those listening online, there was an invitation. Maybe you were invited to something. Uh, maybe that invitation intrigued you. Maybe you were invited, like I was, to many things over many years before you finally gave in trying to prove that it wasn't true, because that's what happened to me. This morning... I want to invite you to become part of the salvation stories of many more believers. Because we're not talking here about something that happened then doesn't happen today. Because it happened in the life of Billy Graham, millions of people as a result of one invitation to drive a dairy truck. And it happened in my life, not millions, but a good number of new believers' salvation stories because of an invitation to ail an argument. So why not an invitation to the men's breakfast? I didn't hear uh, that invitation this morning was said, oh, it's, this is just for believers, for men and children. Why not an invitation? And if that event perhaps is not the sort of event for men who are not here this morning, how about next time having an event that is suitable for men who are unbelievers? Believe me, and this is not trying to be, well, maybe, I don't know, 
Men need to hear from men the good news about Jesus. Okay? Some of you know what I mean by that, you know? We, we just do. <laughs> we need, and, and, and best if it's delivered as we're doing something. Just men don't go cool with sitting around just talking about stuff. You know, we need to be doing something. Eating a bacon butty or drinking a pint of beer or doing something else, okay? But I want to invite you, whatever it is and whoever it is, to invite you this morning to become part of the salvation stories of many more believers. In a few weeks' time, as Ray said this morning, 17th of April, four weeks today, Easter Day. Hallelujah. What a day to celebrate. And I'm going to be back here on that morning. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, speaking at your morning meeting. And on that meeting, I'm going to be speaking about hope. The hope that everyone needs. The hope that Easter brings for everyone. Because the gospel, as Paul says when he's writing to the church in Rome, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The good news of the gospel, the good news of Easter is for everyone. Everyone who believes. But if everyone needs to be given the chance to believe, then everyone needs to hear the good news. Everyone needs to hear it. As Paul says a little later, in, uh, when he's writing to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 10, he says this, everyone who calls on the name, uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they believe in Jesus if no one's told them? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So four weeks today on Easter Day, right here in this place, the good news will be preached. Right here in this place, everyone will hear about the hope in Jesus that they can have. And on Easter Day, right here in this place, everyone who comes will be given the opportunity to respond, to put their hope in Jesus. The question is, who's going to be here? Who's going to be here? Who will be included in the everyone on that morning? Who will get that opportunity to believe in Jesus and be saved? question is, will it be anybody that you know? Now, I'm going to perhaps, forgive me, labor this point a bit this morning, because I know it's the point where everybody either switches off or slinks into their seats. Oh, yeah, that's going to be, oh, yeah, I'm singing that morning, aren't I? Or I'm, I'm on um, refreshments that morning. I think you're serving refreshments that morning. That, that's my focus that morning. Uh, or I'm actually going to be leading the meeting. Uh, that morning or setting up that morning a whole host of different things why people that's your priority that morning will your priority be to make sure that someone is here that morning that you know in the everybody here at Jubilee Church Derby on the 17th of April will it be someone that you know perhaps someone from your family someone you know and love someone perhaps you've prayed for for many years. My wife had to pray for me for eight years before I even, you know, set foot in the church to be invited to anything. Will it be someone that you're praying for? Will it be a friend, a work colleague, a, uh, a neighbor? Or will it be a stranger? Someone you've not met yet, but there's four weeks to go. Will you have an invitation in your pocket or wherever to give them as you meet people between now 
and Easter day? Will it be someone that actually you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone in order to be able to make that invitation? It, it can be difficult, this. I can almost sense in the last two or three minutes, the atmosphere in the room has gone, mm. <laughs> up until two or three minutes ago, I was getting, yes, amen. Now it's gone, mm. it's gone really quiet. Listen, the good news is for everyone. And it's for everyone you know. The gospel is the power of God for everyone who believes. So will you invite everyone? The gospel's for everyone. Let's invite everyone. Now, okay, let's be realistic. Everyone might be a bit too much at the moment. Okay? Everybody, to invite everybody that you know. It may not even be appropriate to invite some people you know. There may be some people you know who couldn't physically get here, although they can be online. But even so, it might be a bit unrealistic to invite everybody but if you're not going to invite everybody, will you at least invite somebody? <laughs> maybe, it's not, maybe you're not ready for everybody yet, but come on, let's invite somebody. I mean, let, let's be realistic. Statistics continue to show that if a friend invites five people to come to church on a Sunday, two of them will probably accept the invitation. So let's suppose that you know, how many are here this morning? I don't know, 40, 50. Let's, invite, let's suppose, you know, you all, all of you invite one person. Yeah, we might have 20 people here on that Sunday morning. Let's go for somebody and pray that one day we'll get to everybody. How about that? <laughs> Can we agree with that? Let, let, let's, let's go for somebody. The bottom line, though, is that it's extremely unlikely that Somebody will come, whoever they are, unless we invite them. So will you give them the chance to come? Will you invite them? There's a, there's a difficult side to this. I was um, reading, you may have heard this little story before. It's uh, about, a, some of you may have heard of the comedy uh, magic duo called Pell and Teller. Penn and Teller, sorry. And um, one of the guys there, I think it's Penn, tries to evangelize. He's try, someone tries to evangelize him to give him a Bible or a, 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 a tract after a, a concert that they've been at. And this guy says that um, he was really impressed by the Christian's attempt to uh, evangelize him. He uses the old-fashioned word proselytize. He says, although I don't believe, I, I was impressed at least this guy tried to tell me. He said, because, he said, let's suppose um, I'm walking down the street and I see a guy walking down the middle of the street and there's a, there's a big truck coming towards him. And the guy's oblivious to the truck coming towards him. And, you know, maybe I shout a warning or something like that, but he doesn't hear me. And this truck is bearing down on him. This guy who's not a Christian, Penn, says, there comes a point where I would rugby tackle this guy out of the way to save him even though he's ignorant of, of the danger coming towards him. I would rugby tackle him out of the way. And then he says, this unbeliever says, and this, Christianity, is more important than that. <laughs> now, if unbelievers are saying that, come on, church, let's get urgent about this. 
let's get urgent. Now, I, I just want to address something here, talking about the power of invitation. There, there, there's a school of thought. There's an increasing trend in, in, in our family of churches or evangelical churches where it, it, it's not cool to invite people to big meetings. You know, that, that, that there are some who say that inviting people to come to our meetings is what we used to do back then. What we need to be doing now is to get out into the community. We need to go where people are at. We need to keep it small. We need to be real. You know, we need to be blessing people where they are rather than expecting them to accept our invitations to come. If you haven't come across that, great. Don't go looking for it. But some, I've seen a few nods in the audience, there, there is some truth in that. We do need to go out. We do need to get out of this place. We do need to bless our communities and meet people where they're at. It's great you're meeting that you guys are meeting in a home, actually, rather than some public building. We do need to get into people's homes and get people into our homes. But <clears throat> there comes a point when it's right to invite people in. There comes a time when it's right to say, come and see. Come and meet with the body of Christ. Come and meet the people of God. Come to a place where the Spirit of God is going to manifest as he did this morning, as God was speaking to us and encouraging us and helping us to worship. And invitation is biblical. After all, our Father in heaven invites us into, back into relationship with him. He doesn't force us. He doesn't stronghold us back into relationship. He invites us having removed every possible barrier to us accepting that invitation when Jesus died for us on the cross. God invites us. Jesus spent his time inviting people and still does. Come, follow me, says Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 5, verse 19. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It's an invitation. Jesus makes invitations. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. It's an invitation for children to come. Luke 18, 16. Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I was just thinking, I was hearing about some of you are going to be at the water stations for the Derby. Is it half marathon? You know, on, uh, when's that? On the 10th, isn't it? How about if, you know, when some of these exhausted runners, this may be a bit too much, I suppose, but maybe some of these exhausted runners uh, come up to you on the drink station, on the water station, and they, they say, give me a drink, give me a drink. And maybe you could turn that into a spiritual conversation by saying, by quoting what Jesus says to, to uh, the woman uh, at the well, where he says, if you knew, I could give you living water so you'll never be thirsty. How about that? Yeah. Well, Ray's going to do that. I can see that's a bit too far for some of you. The point is, Jesus uses invitation. Invitation is biblical. There is power in invitation. And if my Father in heaven uses invitation, if Jesus uses invitation, then I think we, as his children, should use invitation. Let's invite people. Let's invite people to hear. Be creative with your invitations. Billy Graham was invited to drive a dairy truck. 
I was invited to ail an argument. You know, be creative. Find out where people are at. Yeah, and invite them into something. But let's invite people into the greatest family ever. Let's invite them to be restored to their Father in heaven. Let's invite them here on Easter Day. Let's invite them to come on any Sunday. Or let's invite them to any other appropriate event. But, but please invite people because there's power in an invitation. Deliver them through homes. We are at the moment uh, in uh, Huddersfield, part of the family of churches that we belong to there. Uh, a couple of years ago, we delivered an invitation to every home in the Huddersfield borough, 80-odd thousand homes. Uh, this year, uh, we're praying down every street in the borough of Huddersfield with something called Pray HD. I've got an app on my phone uh, that turns blue as people input where they prayed down. It's amazing to see the town of Huddersfield. Just, wow, the whole town is, is, is being prayed for. Let's get out, yeah. Let's pray and let's invite people. Put some through letterboxes. Who know? We've got people in our church now who are there as a result of an invitation that was made 12 years ago when we planted. Uh, there's one lady called Linda who was the first person in the church to be baptized. She turned up on a Sunday. Uh, the first time she turned up, she said, because I got an invitation through the door and then I met someone on the street who gave me an invitation, the same one, and I thought, I've got two of these. It must be important. I better come. God uses invitation. There's power in invitation. And let's implore people, when Paul's writing to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So, you know, yeah, deliver them through doors, but actually, where you can, use words. And, and yeah, do it with a sense of freedom and joy, but also a sense of urgency. And, you know, if people decline, try again. Keep, some people will come because they see your persistence in you. And they think, wow, <laughs> they really want me to come. I, maybe I'll go and check it out. Paul urges, he implores. I have to challenge myself. When was the last time I implored someone to come? When was the last time I urged them to get right with God? Because that's what Paul's telling us to do in 2 Corinthians 5. Urge people, implore people. This is important. Will Easter Day be the time of God's favor in this place? Will that day be the day of salvation for many who find hope and believe? I hope it is. Let's pray. Let's pray together. I just want us to finish this morning uh, just with a time of prayer. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your call to us this morning to go deeper with you. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Jubilee Church Derby, all those watching online. Father, we, we, we respond. We take that opportunity to go deeper. But Father, we have a heart and a concern for those who don't know you. And I just want to pray uh, this morning. Um, just feel God wants me to say to 
someone, you may be here or you may be listening online, there may be more uh, people. Um, you don't have to wait until Easter Day. You don't have to wait. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching because you've been invited already. You don't have to wait. You can be reconciled to God right now this morning. You can, be, you can make things right with God right now this morning. Belief, believing in Jesus, those uh, people in the Samaritan town, they believed. And notice that they, they stepped out and went to meet Jesus. Belief is not something that just dropped from heaven on our, on our heads and makes us think and feel different. Belief is a step that we take. Then I've heard enough. I believe. And I pray for anyone here this morning, here in person and listening online, to take that step of faith. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me, I pray you just do that right now. Just, just pray that silently to God between you and him. Lord, I believe you died on a cross for me. Lord, I believe you paid the price for me. Lord, I believe you were separated from your Father in heaven, Jesus, so that I don't have to be any longer. Lord, I put my trust in you. Come into my life right now. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for anyone uh, praying that prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, come into their heart right now that they would know you, Father God, have heard that prayer this morning. I pray this would be a day of salvation. But Lord, we want to pray for Easter Day. I want to encourage you, just as we pray, you should be able to find one of these leaflets in the little holes next to your seat or on your seat. Uh, just encourage you, just to get hold of one of these leaflets and just hold it up as we pray. Lord, I want to pray that these leaflets and many more would find their way into the hands and the homes of people who, whose lives you are preparing right now to receive them. And I pray you give my friends here in Derby uh, the courage to deliver the invitation. Lord, and it may be this card, it may be with words or without words, it may be words without the card, but God, I pray for invitations to be made to everybody. Everybody who is going to believe. And we pray for salvation in this house. Uh, not just on Easter Day, Lord, but on many Sundays. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm done. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Steve. I'm from Huddersfield and it's a beautiful day here in West Yorkshire. But on Sunday the 17th of April this year on Easter Day, I'm going to be coming to Derby uh, to be at Jubilee Church Derby at their Easter Day celebration at 10 o'clock in the morning in the quad. And I want to invite you to come along. I was not a Christian for the first half of my life. I, I didn't think Christianity was true at all. But I was invited to find out more about the Christian faith. And what I discovered was that it's true, that there is a God, that Jesus Christ did come and walked on this earth. And I found that the message of Easter contained great hope, hope for me and hope for the whole world. The world, especially at this time, needs hope. I need hope, you need hope. I want to encourage you, exhort you to come along on Sunday the 17th of April and hear the Easter message of hope. If you have kids, there'll be special meetings, special things for them to do, and indeed the whole family will receive a warm welcome. So come along and bring others with you. 10 o'clock, Sunday, 17th of April, at the Quad in Derby, or you can join us online. See you there. Sunday morning.